Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. My name is Brian Zimmerman with Becker's, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Sachin Jain, CEO of Scan Group and Scan Health Plan. Sachin, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Great to be with you again. Yeah, absolutely. Can Just to get started here, can you sort of introduce yourself to folks who might not be familiar and, and share a, you know, a bit about what you're doing there at, at, at Scan Group and Scan Health Plan? Absolutely. Um, so Sachin Jain, I've I'm been at Scan Group and Scan Health Plan for uh, almost four years now. Um, I've, I'm a physician by training. I've uh, spent some time previously uh, in the Obama administration, uh, also led um, digital health at Merck, the global pharmaceutical company, uh, and then previously led Caremore and Aspire Health, which are the care delivery divisions of, um, of Anthem, now, now known as Elevance. Um, you know, we're in the process of trying to diversify SCAN beyond uh, its historic business, which was Medicare Advantage, uh, into the care delivery space and operate four new care delivery divisions, including uh, Welcome Health, uh, which is a home-based primary care company, uh, home-based medical, which is a um, Medicare, Medicare Advantage-focused um, welcome visits, as well as palliative care company, um, My Place Health, which is a, a PACE uh, an entity that we are joint venturing with Commonwealth Care Alliance, and then Healthcare in Action, which is a, uh, a, a medical group that's focused on people experiencing homelessness. Uh, outside of um, my activities at SCAN, I'm, I'm on the board of uh, Q Health, which is an innovative diagnostics company, and um, uh, I'm also on the board of AHIP, uh, the industry association uh, you know, for the managed care industry. So just thrilled to be with you and, and happy to Talk about whatever is on your mind, Brian. Yeah, of course, and, and thrilled you thrilled you're making the time. Uh, you're a busy guy, uh, so appreciate you you coming on to chat with me. And I think like some of what you talked about there, sort of, you know, pushing scan beyond sort of its traditional business. I, I, I guess as as you put it, is sort of reflective. I think of some of the uh, I guess trends or shifts we're seeing in healthcare. Um, you're thinking here about the rise in sort of uh, you know more healthcare being delivered in alternative sites of care. Thinking here of trends that affect, you know, disruptors like Amazon coming in home, uh, home care of pharmacies changes, employers changing things. What's your perception of all these these changes in models to to how healthcare is delivered now and how it might be delivered in the future? Well, well, it's really interesting, right? I think what you what you see is a, a sea change in the nature of competition in healthcare. Um, it's now the case that your um, collaborators are now becoming competitors. Uh, you're seeing that companies that historically operate outside of healthcare are starting to uh, enter healthcare. So I think it's a super dynamic time for the industry. I think you mentioned changes in site of care and increasing focus on the home. I think at some point we realized that it's really inhumane to take old people with you know more than three deficiencies in their activities of daily living and bring them into um, office-based settings for for ten-minute office visits that could potentially be you know, completed virtually. At the same time, I think, you know, we haven't necessarily built the toolkit that we need to be able to deliver care remotely. So I think where we're trying to go is, is to have more care delivered in the home, more care delivered remotely. But I think in some cases, what you see, because we don't necessarily have the technological capabilities to deliver care, you know, remotely with all of the diagnostic capabilities, you know, effectively, you know, completed at the home, um, we're seeing that you know, a lot of quote unquote virtual and home care uh, is actually creating more duplication than it is substitution of office-based visits. 
and you know that's easy and intuitive to understand. You know, sometimes you'll have a virtual visit with a patient, and they'll and you'll say, "Oh, you well, you need to complete this test, that test, and the next test." And then you know the patient is driving into a facility regardless. Uh, so I think a lot of what needs to happen going forward is the development of capabilities that allow more care to be delivered in the home. I think that's one of the kind of deficiencies, missing pieces or missing building blocks, so to speak, as it relates to, um, I think, the, the transition of care away from facility-based settings to home care settings. Yeah, and, and speaking about those 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 toolkits, those uh, as you put it, the the overcoming those technology limits. I, you know, thinking about diagnostic testing here as that technology advanced and and um, home tests that potentially provide sort of that that level of quality that point of care traditional labs can offer. It, 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 as that comes about as as we enter that that phase, will that change how payers view diagnostic testing at home? I think it'll absolutely you know, change it. I think, you know, right now, a lot of reimbursement is tied to site of care. I think there's payers that are innovating around this. Um, but I do think as new tests are developed, um, you know, for example, the tests that are that are being developed by Q Health, the company whose board I, I, I sit on, I think are, are ultimately um, the types of tests that are going to enable home care, which is like high quality molecular grade uh, diagnostic tests that, you know, actually allow you to determine whether a patient has COVID, flu, RSV, um, and then really, you know, kind of march the patient down the different treatment paths that are dictated by those, those different diagnoses. And so, again, I think, you know, the thing I look at as the leader of, of SCAN, you know, thinking about our own medical groups and then other medical groups that we contract with is, you know, how are we going to ensure that world-class care is delivered in all settings? And it's a combination of having, you know, really world-class people delivering that care but also enabling with the them with the tools and technologies to be able to effectively diagnose and treat patients. And I think right now the story around care delivery innovation is largely incomplete because even though many companies are, are moving more and more care to the home, um, I think, you know, again, one of the missing building blocks of that is high quality testing, treatment, diagnostic that, that actually enables you to obviate the need for office-based visits, which I think create, you know, a lot of inefficiencies for patients as well as for the healthcare system, frankly, because if something could be completed virtually or remotely, we'd like to, you know, I think save the facility-based capacity for patients who truly need that capacity. Yeah, thank you so much, Sachin. And and do you have anything additional, um, sort of some maybe get into the specifics even more in terms of some of the advancements you're seeing in testing? What uh, are are there any notable callouts for for folks? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, one of the, the, the notable call-outs is really just, you know, specifically around the specific, I think, quality of testing. I think when most people think about testing, um, they think about, you know, the, the tests that they had during COVID-19, which are, um, you know, antigen-based tests, which, you know, have real, I think, you know, questions around uh, their reliability. I think, you know, what we're looking for is, again, what I, what I referenced before, which is higher-grade, you know, molecular tests that I think uh, are gonna enable a higher degree of confidence in you know, the diagnosis. I, and I think you know, this is um, something that we're gonna hopefully see more and more of. You know, the, you know, the truth is, is that what we really need to be able to do is 90% is of what you would ordinarily go to a lab to do, um, whether it's a blood test, uh, whether it's a test of your you know, respiratory mucosa, uh, you know, a, a strep swab, 
Um, you know, think about some of the urinalysis that we do, um, you know, for, for patients with chronic diseases. Um, we want all of that to be able to, to be done, you know, remotely. And I think what it would enable if in a, in a future state world is actually more and more patient activation around their own care. Um, you know, I, my, I've got two parents with, you know, I've, I've recently lost my father, but both my parents uh, actually uh, have, you know, chronic diseases. And I think about a lot of their care could be more self-managed. Um, and, you know, a lot of that self-management would require, you know, at-home testing. And you see this with, with diabetics and the transition that's taken place when, you know, we've moved away from, um, you know, pinpricks uh, to now continuous glucose monitoring and what that does from an activation perspective. And you think about what's potentially possible across the wide range of illnesses where there are biomarkers that would enable you uh, to potentially monitor your own condition. You know, pair that with some of the digital monitoring tools, uh, the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, the Aura Rings, and you start to think about like a care paradigm that's more about continuous self-management uh, as opposed to episodic management, which is, I think, um, where the healthcare system has been grounded. Years ago, I read a, a great paper by Kevin Volpe and colleagues at the University of Pennsylvania, where they came up with a term that hasn't, hasn't caught on, but I thought it would at the time, which is automated hovering which is this idea that we would have a set of tools and technologies and uh, interconnectivity between those tools and technologies uh, so that the healthcare system would almost have a continuous eye on patients uh, who, where, where it was needed. And if you think about that, that's a very different paradigm, you know, all supported by value-based payment. Um, that, that's a very different paradigm than the current healthcare system, which is all about, you know, episodes with the healthcare system, office visits, um, you know, emergency room visits, inpatient hospitalizations. You think about a, a view where, you know, patients are actively managing their care in collaboration with a care team with data from testing and tools and technology that's transmitted to the healthcare system. Um, that's a very different paradigm for care. And I think that's a bit of what we, we need to think about when we think about the future of diagnostic testing. Yeah, well, Sachin, for, firstly, you know, very sorry to, to hear about your loss, but I do appreciate you giving sort of your personal experience there. And it, it, it reminds me of something you talked about, I believe, at the beginning of the conversation where this is this is a paradigm shift, but it's also more humane, right? This is uh, it's easier for patients. Is Am I reading that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, look, um, and again, I think that we're starting to see all the pieces, you know, come together. Thanks for your, your kind words about my dad. But one of the you know, I think technologies that really helped him in his final years where, you know, he was on uh, dialysis uh, was he had a, a MEMS device, which was actually, you know, installed in his, uh, a chip that was installed in his pulmonary artery that allowed us to actually, um, you know, every day capture his pulmonary artery pressure, which actually gave the dialysis team a good indication of how much volume to take off um, because they had a true accurate measurement of his volume that was transmitted to his heart failure cardiologist every single day. It's those kinds of tools and technologies, you know, when you kind of put them together and you weave them together with, um, you know, a health system that actually knows what to do with that information, that's gonna really, I think, change the, the view of the universe for the patient as well as the clinician. And then the job of a clinician doesn't become to like clean up the mess that's been made after a patient has gone several months, you know, unmanaged or undermanaged uh, in you know in his home or in his community, but it's the job of the clinician then becomes to actually monitor a panel of patients every single day and make those kind of small modifications 
that actually lead to better outcomes for patients over the long run. And I think, again, that's the, the diagnostic framework that we want to evolve towards. And if you think about the MEMS device, things like Q, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, the continuous glucose monitoring, you know, that have been introduced by um, Abbott and, and others, uh, these are the kinds of things that will, I think, over the long run, uh, create different paradigms. Now, the truth is, is that I think most traditional care settings don't even know how to actually like reorganize themselves to be able to use this data. So that ends up being, you know, what I think of as almost a last mile or maybe even a last hundred or last thousand mile problem around this, which is that the healthcare system and how we pay for care is really not organized to provide this kind of more continuous view of patients um, and to ingest, you know, data in ways that will, um, you know, enable the kind of collaborative relationship between patient and clinician and, you know, real-time monitoring. So again, that's some of the work that, you know, we're thinking about at SCAN uh, is how do we create payment models uh, like a fully delegated risk model, for example, that would, you know, create the financial framework that would enable the clinician community to do the work that we're, we're asking them to do going forward. Yeah, I appreciate you grounding this conversation with so many like specific example that I think it really helps listeners sort of conceptualize what we're talking about here. And I want to get to that sort of that that part you just ended on there a little bit, which is like thinking about how I guess like diagnostic testing, you know, um, you know that that sort of the technology we've been talking about. How does that going to factor in as a potential supplementary benefit um, and play a role in supporting overall employee health care? Do you see that coming together? You know, I, I do, but I think it has to, can't come together in a vacuum, right? And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, these technologies have been slow to develop uh, and slow to be adopted and slower to be adopted is that, you know, I think people think about it like it's a point solution as opposed to thinking about it like it's a, a you know, kind of a foundational infrastructure element of like modern healthcare delivery. Um, and so, that, you know, when, when these tools and technologies do get developed, they get introduced in the way that you described, which is potentially as a supplementary benefit or, you know, employer tool or solution. Um, and again, I think we have to blow up our traditional thinking about, you know, these kinds of tools and technologies, particularly as, as new ones are developed uh, and, and actually get into a place where we are, uh, you know, being a bit more thorough in our consideration of how these things get integrated into, uh, in, into care. And in, in, throughout the conversation, you've really been sort of painting a picture about where things could be going, what the future might look like here. Uh, what would you add in terms of, you know, where is at-home diagnostic testing headed? And and you've talked about sort of what's exciting to you, but is there anything you want to reemphasize here or, or dig in as you think about the future here? Yeah, I mean, what I, you know, really think about in this domain is, is a world in which, um, you know, 90% of what you go what you go to facilities for, uh, you can do yourself. And again, the the, to, the tools and technologies that you're going to have are really going to vary by patients and diagnosis. But you know, when you think about like just all the conditions that for which the diagnostic paradigm is changing right now, um, whether it's infectious disease or sleep apnea or heart failure or diabetes. When you kind of look at these conditions, condition by condition, you know, you start to actually see the suite of tools and technology that can be levered to transform the care of, of patients. And when you think about like the ecosystem that you could build around it, the connective tissue that you could build around it, the new clinical models that you could build around it, 
the new um, relationship between patients and the healthcare system, it gets really, really exciting. I think one of the challenges that we have, again, that, that I would really like to emphasize is that we do tend to focus a bit on like the one test around the one clinical problem. And that's where I think we need more platform solutions. Uh, solutions that actually take all the data, right? Ingest it all from like, you know, the multiple kinds of conditions that people can have. And, and that's the one of the things that gets lost is that, you know, the truth is, is that if you have diabetes, the chances you probably also have hypertension, which also creates, you know, this risk of cardiovascular disease, which means, you know, the monitoring needs are going to multiply. Then, you know, what we, what we really need is not 20 different point solutions or 20 different vendors um, that, you know, a health plan like mine can contract with and partner with. What we really need is someone thinking from a platform perspective and, you know, with an interface that is clinician friendly and patient friendly that ingests the, all this different data and actually helps us then interpret that data to develop novel predictive models around risk. Um, you know, the ability for clinicians and patients to interact in real time and asynchronously to actually manage their care. Um, and so again, I think one of the challenges in conversations like these, Brian, to be, to be really candid with you, is that people do think about it in terms of the one test or the one solution or the one condition. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of the startup ecosystem, you know, of the last 10 or 20 years in digital health has really failed to meaningfully move care. Care, you know, by most people's account has gotten worse, not better, um, you know, in terms of just at least the experience of care, if not, you know, care outcomes. And I think it's because we've created and we've like duplicated the health systems, you know, fragmentation as opposed to thinking end to end, like with the idea that people have multiple conditions with overlapping diagnostic and treatment needs. Um, and again, if we can kind of reframe people's high level strategic thinking in that way, then, you know, the outcome will be, um, you know, we'll start thinking more end to end in terms of solution. And then the things that we, the solutions that we're going to go to will be, you know, broader and, 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 and more holistic. I think one of the reasons I was excited to get involved with Q, uh, you know, in particular is that it's a company that really has that end to end vision, um, you know, with a test to treat paradigm incorporated, um, you know, with a pharmacy piece now, you know, being levered in and then a real view to like how it actually could, you know, work across all different settings to support all kinds of patients um, as the, the menu expands to, to serve like a variety of, of, of new patients with new indications. I don't think it's going to be easy by any means, because I think, um, you know, some of what you need, you need to be able to get for all kinds of patients is all kinds of different specimens, urine, blood, you have to get patients like comfortable uh, dealing with that. And I don't think all patients are. So I think it's going to be, you know, uh, a slog to really execute on that vision. Um, but I think it's the right vision. And I think it's where, um, where healthcare needs to go in order to actually, you know, do what is, is our highest need in our industry, which is to use our precious health, healthcare resources more effectively. And I would say that's been, that's been a gap. I would say, you know, we, we all operate with this belief of, you know, ever multiplying healthcare spend um, and we're getting to a point now where everyone's looking at it and saying, what are going to be the new paradigms, new models that are going to be able to, you know, frankly, obviate the need for, you know, the bloat that I think has, has overcome the healthcare industry. And, and I think that's, that's like our highest and best need as we start to think about these new diagnostic paradigms. Yeah. And thinking about the advancements here, um, you know, if, if you don't have that sort of that, that big 
platform that that end-to-end thinking then you're just entering potentially more redundancy into the system, right? You in 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 a healthcare system when there's already a lot of overlap. Is, am I reading that correctly? Yeah, no, that's that's right. And I think one of the biggest challenges we have is like, you know, I think people think think about healthcare in this very like monolithic view. They're like, okay, you know, so you you know, people get really fired up about Amazon and healthcare, and I always think. You know the entities that are most going to be able to respond to the needs of patients with, you know, where the cost resides. You, you know, people with multiple cr- chronic diseases and complex illnesses are ones where primary care and specialists and you know, uh, you know, and diagnostics all work together, um, you know, collaboratively. And and that's where I think, in, in a funny way, the large health systems actually have a great competitive advantage. They're organized um, so that there's common collaboration platforms. It, common information systems, the right hand speaks to the left. You know, these are teams that work, teams of people that work together, you know, regularly. And then if you actually empower those teams with like tools and technologies that, that enable continuous monitoring of patients and um, the use of, of episodic testing, um, you end up in a place where, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone to create some, you know, a disruptive vertical. And I think that's one of the reasons healthcare has been so hard to, to innovate around is that, you know, it is a complex adaptive system that requires multiple pieces and parts that are going to organize and reorganize continuously to solve the need of the moment. And unless you have all the pieces and parts, that complex, that adaptation to the moment doesn't necessarily happen for patients. And I think the role of, you know, technology innovation is to actually create more seamless, rapid adaptation of the system to the needs of a patient in the moment. If, if, if this single specialty companies can kind of wrap their head around that and start to think in those terms, um, then I think they're going to be able to effectively navigate the changing winds in the healthcare system. Well, Sachin, I really appreciate you, you, you coming on and appreciate your, your, your candor as well. Uh, Is there anything you want to close by saying anything you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Yeah. I mean, I, I would just say the one thing I always say is like, when we talk about healthcare innovation, I think we oftentimes like forget the basics and I just, you know, want to reference a, a, an article I wrote in Forbes about, you know, 10 healthcare lessons I learned uh, from my dad. My dad was a, a, a you know, pain, notable, notable pain management physician. Um, but I think the fundamentals he taught me about healthcare was that it's about mastery of the basics. It's a, and, and the basics in great healthcare is great people with great tools and technologies coming together to solve the needs of, of patients uh, who, who need solutions. And I think that's, something we sometimes forget. We forget the great people part of it. We forget the great tools and technologies part of it. Um, and I think all of it's going to be important for the healthcare system in the future. So just wanted to, to make that plug for that article and encourage uh, the listening audience to uh, to take a look at it. it absolutely. Sound, sounds fascinating. And Sachin, thank you again for, for coming on and uh, sharing your, your personal story, your expertise, and, and, and just taking the time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I also want to thank Q Health for sponsoring this episode. To our listeners, thank you for joining us, and please be sure to check out other Becker's podcasts. Have a wonderful rest of your day.